That's great. Okay, have you ever have you ever wondered if something was really in the Bible or not? God helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible? It's not. Now, I think principally there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you pray to make an A on a test and you don't study, it's, uh, and you're mad at God, right? But that's not in the Bible. It, it, it's not in the Bible. Now, listen to me. Once saved, always saved. Is that anywhere? Is that a verse in the Bible? No, it's not. Now, I, I believe with all my heart that that is true, that that's taught in the Bible, but that's not in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs 32.1 says, if you bless your pastor, God will bless you. That's there, brother, sisters. Proverbs ended at 31 chapters. I just forgot that. I'm sorry. Hey, we're in Judges 19 tonight. Would you do this? Put your seatbelt on, maybe even your crash helmet, because we're going into some weird territory tonight. Let me just let me warm you up. We're going to have uh, a group of men that are wanting to homosexually assault a priest. We're going to have a priest that pushes his wife outside and lets her get gang raped and murdered. And then we end the chapter with body dismemberment. And this is in the Bible, okay? So here's the best way. Let girls who are going to help me, would y'all come up here tonight? I'm going to dismember Alicia, my daughter, to show you kind of what happened in the Bible. No, I'm teasing. Uh, okay, a little humor there. Of course I'm not going to dismember her. Uh, Judges 19, if you have your Bibles, the best way as I looked at this, grab, grab that microphone there, Alicia, is I thought we had to hear this whole story. And then I would try to talk you through some principles in it. So instead of me reading for four solid minutes, what I thought I would do is I would get two who are much prettier than me, my daughter Alicia and Clayton and Mary's daughter Sarah, and this is obviously Cindy's daughter too since it's my daughter. Uh, they're going to read, Alicia's going to read verses 1 through 15. Now, they'll be on the screen, too. If you have your Bible, Judges 19. But to understand this story, I think you've got to hear the whole story, and then we will break it down and talk about it. Okay. Chapter 19, verse 1. In those days, Israel had no king. Now a Levite who lived in a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim took a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah, but she was unfaithful to him. She left him and went back to her father's house in Bethlehem, Judah. After she had been there for four months, her husband went to her to persuade her to return. He had with him his servant and two donkeys. She took him into her father's house, and when her father saw him, he gladly welcomed him. His father-in-law, the girl's father, prevailed upon him to stay, so he remained with him three days, eating and drinking and sleeping there. On the fourth day, they got up early, and he prepared to leave. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Refresh yourself with something to eat, then you can go. So the two of them sat down to eat and drink together. Afterward, the girl's father said, Please stay tonight and enjoy yourself. And when the man got up to go, his father-in-law persuaded him, so he stayed there that night. On the morning of the fifth day, when he rose to go, the girl's father said, Refresh yourself, wait till afternoon. So the two of, the, so the two of them ate together. Then when the man with his concubine and his servant got up to leave, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said, 
Now look, it's almost evening. Spend the night here. The day is nearly over. Stay and enjoy yourself. Early tomorrow morning you can get up and be on your way home. But unwilling to stay another night, the man left and went toward Jebus, that is Jerusalem, with his two saddled donkeys and his concubine. When they were near Jebus, the day was almost gone. His servant said to his master, Come, let's stop at this city of Jebusites and spend the night. His master replied, No, we won't go into this alien city whose people are not Israelites. We will go on to Gibeah. He then added, Come, let's try and reach Gibeah and Ramah and spend the night in one of those places. So they went on, and the sun set as they neared Gibeah and Benjamin. There they stopped to spend the night. They went and sat in the city square, but no one took them into the home for the night. That evening, an old man from the hill country of Ephraim, who was living in Gibeah, the men of the place were Benjamites, came in from his work in the fields. When he looked and saw the traveler in the city square, the old man asked, Where are you going? Where did you come from? He answered, We are on our way from Bethlehem in Judah to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim where I live. I have been to Bethlehem in Judah, and now I am going to the house of the Lord. No one has taken me into his house. We have both straw and fodder for our donkeys, and bread and wine for ourselves, your servants, me, your maidservant, and the young man with us. We don't need anything. You're welcome at my house, the old man said. Let me supply whatever you need, only don't spend the night in the square. So he took him into his house and fed his donkeys. After they had washed their feet, they had something to eat and drink. While they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house. Pounding the door, they shouted to the old man who owned the house, Bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. The owner of the house went outside, and he said to them, No, my friends, don't be so vile. Since this man is my guest, don't do this disgraceful thing. Look, here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. I will bring them out to you now, and you can use you can use them and do to them whatever you wish. But to this man, don't do such a disgraceful thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man took his concubine and sent her outside to them, and they raped her and abused her throughout the night. And at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman went back to the house where her master was staying, fell down at the door, and lay there until daylight. When her master got up in the morning and opened the door of the house and stepped out to continue on his way, there lay his concubine, fallen in the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up, let's go. But there was no answer. Then the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. When he reached home, he took a knife and cut up his concubine limb by limb into 12 parts and sent them into all the areas of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, such a thing has never been seen or done, not since the day the Israelites came up out of Egypt. Think about it, consider it, tell us what to do. Thank you. They're prettier to look at than me, correct? Come on. All right. Good grief. Yard. We're going to stand up and do calisthenics in a minute. Okay. <clears throat> if you're wondering, or if you're going, why is he preaching this? Whoa, 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 whoa. Ask God why he put it in the Bible. Amen? Okay. And I think I need an A for, for just even attempting this tonight. Uh, it's in the Bible. And I want to give you one one primary thought this evening, and that's this, without the true God being in charge, things eventually go badly. When, when the true God is not in charge, things eventually are going to disintegrate. Now, 
This Levite is a priest. We believe he was from the tribe of Aaron. We saw one last week who was from the tribe of Levi, uh, um, Moses, a little bit different branch. The, the, the Aaron Levites were the ones who actually went in and the sacrifices, they were kind of a step up. So this is someone who had knowledge of the true God, but I want to tell you, by the way this guy acted and the way he behaved, he, he was not under the true God. Nobody in this story is under the true God by what happened. And I think that you would agree with me on that. Who is the true God? In John chapter 4, verse 23, John 4, 23, it says, Yet a time is coming, and now it's come. This is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Listen, just having a God or, or one God out there. Now, this may seem narrow-minded, but this is what the Bible says. That's not the truth. The truth is, is there is one God, and we know him through Jesus Christ. And that true worshipers worship him in spirit, from the heart. It doesn't matter if you're at a temple, you're at home, you're at church. It's what he's trying to tell the Samaritan woman. And you worship him in truth. In other words, you and I don't decide who is the real God and the true God who deserves to be worshipped, that's already been said. We worship in truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now listen, a lot of people out there say they follow God, but here's what the New Testament says. The New Testament says is that you know God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ. And, and, and now you say, well, isn't that narrow-minded? Isn't that closed-minded? I guess it is. But 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's narrow-minded, closed-minded, and there's not any options. But 2 plus 2 always equals 4. And, and listen, I always blame it on Jesus. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We know God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ. That's the true God. That's very important in our world today. Now, who, do, who was their God? Their God was God the Father. They didn't have the full revelation that we did. Jesus hadn't come at this point. But they had the same God, the Father, available to them. But boy, how they messed this up. So I want to I walk through this in three little segments of when God's not in charge, the true God's not in charge, how they go bad. First, it starts individually. You know, we blame society. We blame the Supreme Court. We blame Congress. We blame the president. We blame the pastor. We blame the governor. And everybody I just mentioned probably shares blame. But you know what? It starts here. And it starts there. In verse 2 and 3, it says, But she was unfaithful to him. Now, you see right off the bat that his concubine was an adulterer. That, that, is that forgivable? Absolutely. Was there a sin problem and a heart problem there? Absolutely. She left him and she went back to her father's house in Bethlehem, Judah. After she had been there four months, her husband went to her to persuade her to return. He had with him his servant and two donkeys, and she took with him, took him into her father's house. And he ended up staying there uh, for a while. I want to tell you, this priest is not right with God. Number one, as a priest, he had really specific lifestyles that he was supposed to adhere to. And, and probably marrying a concubine was not one of them. Now, this is interesting. A concubine, how a concubine was to be treated is defined in the Old Testament. A concubine is a legal but secondary wife. But it was never God's intention for a man to have multiple wives. Never was. And for a priest who was one of God's uh, 
specially chosen men for specially chosen tasks to have a woman on the side either for sex uh, or that his wife maybe was barren so he was going to get another woman that, that could give him a child. This, this wasn't right. This wasn't the way it should have been. Had he forgiven her? I want to tell you by the looks of the story, I don't think he had made peace with her because he sure didn't show any love and graciousness, did he? Verse 25, if you would find that or look at it on the screens but the men would not listen to him these men came good grief you and, and wanted to homosexually rape the priest so the man took his concubine and sent her outside to them they raped her and abused her throughout the night and at dawn they let her go no when it says he sent her outside it almost sounds like it's saying, he said, honey, you go out there and deal with those men. That's not the, 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 the idea here is he thrust her outside. He, he pushed his legal wife outside to these people. Man, I want to tell you, for a man to do that, I don't care if he's a priest, his heart's not right with the true God. The true God was not controlling this man. And, and I would tell you men this evening, how you treat your wife and your kids says something about whether the true God is running your life. Ladies, how you treat your husband, how you treat your kids uh, says something about if the true God is running your life. You would say, well, I would never submit my wife or my kids to something like this. But you know what? Some of us are submitting our wives or our husbands or our kids to some bad stuff. may not be this hopefully C certainly this wasn't protecting and loving priest was it verse 27 and 28 the creepiness continues when her when her master got up he slept that night when he got up in the morning he opened the door of the house and he stepped out to continue on his way where lay his concubine falling in the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up and let's go. There was no answer, so he put her on his donkey. Man, if you could sleep when your wife is outside getting raped, your heart is not right with the true God. You see, some of us are way too comfortable in things that we should be uncomfortable in. And when we, when we lose that edge, when, when certain things don't bother us anymore, something's wrong in our heart. Some of us are sleeping spiritually when we need to wake up. We need to wake up. And certainly this was this guy. In verse 29, goodness gracious, when he reached home, he took a knife and he cut up his concubine limb by limb into 12 parts and sent them and to all the areas of Israel, there were 12 tribes of Israel, and he sent a body part apparently with a note saying, this is what they, they did to her in Gibba. Now, I want to tell you, he should have been upset. But I wonder if in that note he put in there, I was a coward. I pushed her outside. I slept while my wife was raped and murdered. And now I want you to do something about it. He didn't put that in the note, I would almost guarantee you. I want to tell you, when the heart of individuals is not under the true God, eventually things go bad. Certainly if you're a Christian here tonight and your heart's away from God, that can be true. Certainly if you're not a Christian, that certainly can be true. And you look at this story and you go, oh man, the Bible times, they were so terrible. This is a terrible story, but let me walk you through uh, so, some other scenarios about hearts not right with God. How many of you remember Madeline Murray O'Hare? 
Madeline Murray O'Hare, we have a picture of her, I believe, is coming on the screen. She was the infamous atheist lady who really was uh, responsible in the 60s for getting prayer out of the public schools. And, and she, until she was, uh, sadly, she was murdered in the, the late 1990s. She was the atheist leading uh, Messiah, I guess you would say. And her son, William, who was the, the plaintiff in the school prayer, and this is ironic, this get the school out of prayer thing, he became a Christian and a preacher. Here's what he said about his atheist mother. He said she was the meanest, vilest, nastiest person he's ever been around in his life. Now, I hear this today. I'll hear this on, uh, you know, on TV, and I, I've heard it some in conversations. Well, Christians say if you're an atheist, you're automatically immoral and you're mean and hateful. Now, that, that's not necessarily true. I know people who claim to be Christians who are immoral and mean and hateful. <laughs> you know, so, so it, it's not automatically, well, I'm a Baptist, so that makes me great, and you're an atheist, and that makes you bad. But I want to tell you, if God is not in your heart, and you don't accept the true God, eventually your moral system is going to collapse. You don't have a true north. You don't have a true north. Do you remember the name Jeffrey Dahmer? Jeffrey Dahmer was called the monster of Milwaukee. Jeffrey Dahmer murdered and ate the flesh of 17 people before he was caught. Jeffrey Dahmer later became a Christian in prison. He was later murdered in prison. 1994, he was being interviewed by Dateline, and they asked him about what he did and how he did it. And he said, at that time of my life, I did not believe that there was a God. I didn't believe there was a God. So if there's not a God, there's not a right or wrong. Death ends it all. If there's not a God and there's not right and wrong, why should I modify my behavior to fit someone else's standards? When the individual heart, remember everything else we're going to talk about starts with individuals. When the individual's heart is not under the true God, the true God is key, things will start to go awry. Second thing is leaders, is leadership. Verse 1, it says this, In those days Israel had no king. In those days Israel had no king. This is a theme throughout this book. It's a theme also in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. And, and, and what it's saying here, obviously that's the lead into this story, that when there's not centralized our good leaders, Things eventually fall apart. Israel at this time didn't have a king. Obviously, in the 12 tribes, they didn't have good leadership. This Levite is a leader. Uh, he's a priest. He's supposed to be a teacher of the things of God. And obviously, he's a bad leader. Look at society in this town of Gibba. You have a homosexual attack, rape, murder. And some people look at this story and say, wow, man, this is in the Bible, this God stuff, this is terrible. Well, the Bible's just telling the truth. But why are we so silly to think that this is so removed from our world today? Let me just walk you through in the last 75 years, leaders whose hearts were not under the true God. Everybody in here has heard of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler really gets the credit for kicking off World War II. The Japanese 
were, were involved certainly in that too. But Hitler is, is kind of the, the father of that. Leader of Germany, the Fuhrer. 60 to 70 million people died in World War II. And a whole lot of that bloodshed lies at his hands. A leader whose heart was not right with God. Joseph Stalin was uh, the leader of the old communist Soviet Union for many, many, many years. These are estimates, but they say he killed at least 20 to 30 million of his own people. I'm not talking about war. I'm not talking about other people coming in and killing them. He killed at least 20 or 30 million people during his reign of terror. And let me tell you, in case you forget this, one of the premises of communism is that you get God out of the way. You get God out of the way. Wouldn't communism be good? We could share everything and everybody would be equal. Yeah, but you know what? Well, they'll turn the church into a barn and store hay in it because the government's God. Saddam Hussein in very recent history. Saddam Hussein ruled in Iraq for 23 years. They estimate that he killed probably about one million of his own people in a country of 22 million, about a fifth of them. He was responsible for kidnaps and rapes and hangings and drownings and tortures. Sometimes they might bring you in because you were guilty of something and then they would go and kill everybody in your family and even kill your cousins and nephews and nieces because they were related to you. I want to tell you what, Saddam Hussein may have said he worshipped God, but he didn't worship the true God. And when the true God, when there's a void of that, and it gets into leadership, I want to tell you, things are going to go bad. Remember, it starts individually. Stalin, Hitler... Hussein are individuals who rose to leadership. But when individuals and leaders' hearts are not right with God, things eventually are not going to go bad. America needs to hear this. We need to hear this. And then obviously this bleeds to the next level, and that's society as a whole. That's society. In verse 22, while they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house, pounded on the door. They shouted to the old man who owned the house, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. How many of you would agree this is a society and this town that wasn't under God? <laughs> can you imagine that? Well, what happens in verse 25? The men wouldn't listen. And by the way, the, the, the Gentile elderly man who was hospitable offered his own virgin daughter and the concubine up. Do you notice his hospitality there? But the men wouldn't listen. They took the concubine and sent her outside, or he threw her outside, and they raped her and abused her, and, and basically she, she was murdered. She died. Way over in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 9, verse 9. Listen to what it says. I think we got that. We don't have that. Write that down, Hosea 9, 9. And I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, Hosea is saying, talking to people, he said, you guys are wicked. You're wicked just like the men of Gibeah. <laughs> many, many years later, they were still looking back and saying, these people were godless and they were wicked. What happens when a society, when a society becomes a society where God 
doesn't rule in the hearts of the people. Let's go back to Germany again. The Holocaust. If you don't know anything about the Holocaust tonight, you need to go home and you need to spend a couple hours reading about it on the Internet. The word Holocaust literally means sacrificed by fire. What a lot of people don't know is they think it was just Jewish people. There were 6 million Jews that were killed by the Nazis in the Holocaust. Two-thirds of the European Jews were killed in about an 8 to 10-year period by the, by the Nazis. There was, there was also another 5 million Christians and other people that were killed during this Holocaust. 1.1 million children were murdered. Medical experiments were done on people, done on little babies. Remove organs, remove limbs just to see how they would respond. And you, yeah, you can say, that's Hitler, but I want to tell you, that was society. That was society that let that happen. That was people who wouldn't stand up for the right things that let that happen. That was a society at that time in Germany that the true God was not leading in the hearts of the people. Amen? No question about it. You say, well, Chris, that's still, that's far removed. You watched the news in the last six months? You heard of ISIS? There they are. ISIS hadn't been around that long as a group, a couple of years maybe. They say they follow Allah. It's Aramaic for God. There's no clear estimate of how many people they have killed in the last two years. I, I searched. You can't find a number. Nobody knows. But you've seen what's happened. You profess to be a Christian. You disagree with them. With video cameras running, they will cut your head off. Then they decided that wasn't brutal enough, so then they put a man in a cage. You remember that? And they burned him alive with the video cameras running. Then they took a group of men, and they put him in a cage, and they dropped him down in a, in a swimming pool with a camera running, and people got to watch him drown to death. They go into villages, and they kidnap girls, young girls, and they rape them. They kill them. They destroy anybody and anything that gets in their way. There was a young American journalist, a girl, college student, age. You may have heard about this. She was killed recently over there. What they found out, she was, she was being held by ISIS, and she was killed by friendly fire, which in my opinion is an oxymoron, friendly fire. But they found out that she had been kidnapped, and she was a sex slave for one of the leaders of ISIS during this time. For her, if she was a Christian, death might have been the better option at that point. You say... You know what? Judges 19 doesn't look that abnormal when you look at the last hundred years in our world, does it? And you know what the common denominator in every one of those things is? Is that the true God, God known through Jesus Christ, is absent in every one of those scenarios. You say, well, it can't happen here. Are you crazy? It's happening all around us in our world. Someone shared this with me that they saw in a Gideon Bible in a hotel that a prominent atheist group had stuck this into the Gideon Bible in the front of it. It says, warning, thinking people have determined that this book is dangerous to, to men's physical and mental health. <laughs> that the Bible is dangerous to people's mental and physical health. I want to tell you to ignore the Bible and to ignore the true God is going to be fatal to people's health. 
Someone said, someone said, when the true God doesn't reign, men live like animals in the jungle. And Luis Palau, the Spanish Billy Graham said, it's either back to the Bible or back to the jungle. Eventually, there's no in-between. So I would ask you this evening, who controls you? Are you under the God of the Bible? Does Jesus Christ reign in your heart as Lord? Maybe tonight he doesn't. When we stand, I want to encourage you to come this evening and place your life under Jesus tonight. Well, it would be a great thing to do tonight. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to do that. And one way you can do it, when we stand, you come, you can join us. You need a church to be under and to serve in. Come and join us tonight. And Christian, maybe things are going great with you. That's awesome. Maybe they're not. Maybe as you look at your life, you're beginning to slip. And the lordship and the the dominance of Christ over you is not what it once was. Quit blaming other people. Quit talking about how bad society is. And you get yourself right.